This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, it's an early July edition of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Good to see you again, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. I say it like that, Matt. Good to see you again because we are on video. Are you like me where you have to decide, like, what should I be wearing for this podcast? Like, in radio, I don't really care. I care Mm -hmm. what I wear to work. But I'm not like you in TV, man. Like you got to know, you got to look good on TV. I look sharp, yeah. put your makeup on radio, yeah. radio, dude, I can roll out of bed. Doesn't matter. Just kind of get on. But because I'm on video with you on this podcast, sometimes I, I get really stressed about it. Full disclosure. I was just on a walk with my daughter and our dog and my wife. And I was in a t-shirt that is sweaty and gross. So I came back in to do the podcast and I just put on this polo that I wore yesterday that has not been washed yet. So it's like not, you wouldn't wear it in public, but on TV, you don't know that it probably just needs to go into the wash. So that's Did what I'm wearing right now. Did you or anything like that? Oh, no, it wasn't like anything gross or anything. It's like totally fine. I could absolutely wear it out. I just had it on. And then you know how like you just like set it to the side and then wow. you're getting ready to do the wow. wash. It was sitting there and I was like, this is much better than the sweaty t-shirt. So I'm going to wear this polo that has little seashells on it. <laughs> well, first of all, um, I will tell you, my wife makes fun of me because I change clothes more than any human being on earth. I will go through three outfits in a day usually. Um, oh my gosh. I'm the exact opposite. Oh yeah. I do that all the time. I'll wake up in the morning, just throw something on maybe from the day before, because I just want to get up and we're going to have my coffee, whatever. And then I'll basically throw something on to feel more comfortable to do my radio show from studio Capaccio, or I'll go into work, you know, after a shower, things like that. I'll come home. I'll feel like I need something a little bit different. Maybe I'm playing golf. Maybe I'm going out somewhere. I feel like I need a different set of clothes and that might have a little league game. And then after, after the little league game, I might feel, I am always changing clothes. Do you shower a lot during the day? Nope. Like a- uh, maybe twice, but once in the morning. And then usually it just and on a need to basis. If I did something where I'm sweaty, I will shower. So yeah, I mean, it's shorts, it's t-shirt. I, I try mm-hmm. to, on this particular video cast, like I, I try to wear something kind of cool or hip that someone might notice. So just want to give a shout out to Del Reed at 26 shirts. Got the victory Monday shirt they've been having for a while now. I think this came out like a couple of years ago. There you go. I'll put it up. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. So um had to give a shout out to Del Reed. They had a um, sale over there, but I like to kind of promote. Hey man, send shirts. You know, people want us to wear shirts. I'll wear a shirt on, on the, uh, on the video cast here, but yeah, I don't know why it's just something my wife's like, yep, there he goes. Changing clothes again. I tell her all the time, like, wow, we have more laundry than anybody. She's like, that's because you change clothes like three times a day and you throw everything right in the laundry. How often do you do laundry? Ooh, pretty often. I mean, this time of year with a son who plays a lot of sports, Uh I gotta make sure his uniforms are clean. Pretty much every other day, I would say I'm doing a little. Okay. Okay. I would say that right now, 
specifically. So my wife does most of the laundry for Ellie. So right now it's just pretty much doing my laundry. I would say I'm probably every three to four days, the rotation that I'm on, but you know, Ellie wears onesies during the day and then she wears little short sleeve onesies at night. So it's not like we have to do something for her every second of every day either. So yeah, I'm in like a kind of easy routine, I guess, as far as long. I also don't mind laundry. I know a lot of people really, really hate laundry. I just throw it in, go do something for 45 minutes and then go take it out. It's really not that complicated. I usually put it on the quick wash cycle doesn't take that long and then you know throw it in the and i don't care about separating the colors i know you maybe should but really this day and age the way detergent's made you don't have to worry about that do you mix so, whites with colors yeah it doesn't matter oh, i don't i don't do that i won't do that Ooh. i don't know why for I'm some reason all separately but that's only because of the, the the material and the lint and stuff but that's about it does your dryer sing like a cool little song when it's done do you have the samsung yeah. one that makes that little noise when you're done something like that right uh, mine's mine's a little bit different but yeah no it's you can hear it from all over the house and you're like okay well it's gonna go it's go time i love it, I love it. well i yeah and i am the laundry person in our house so i will do it and i i'll fold the laundry my, my wife will say to me well can you fold the laundry yes i will fold the laundry she does so much anyway i'm like that's that's kind of my contribution to the household to fold the laundry as a former employee at the niagara falls fashion outlet mall for four years at both the gap outlet and nike outlet i think i fold clothes exceptionally well and efficiently i take pride in that like you hand me hand me a graphic tee a pair of pants a polo muscle memory baby couple tuck in the okay. shoulders, tuck in the elbows, you know, the little, the shoulders, blah, blah, blah. Just boom. I got to ask you then. All right. Because so I fold Max's shirts. Mm-hmm. I just fold them right in half. And then I take the two sleeves that are together, fold that and just flip everything up. When I do my shirts though, I take the two sleeves, fold them in. And then I take the, the body, fold that all in. And then I fold it up twice. So what I would do is I would take, like if I was wearing a t-shirt or a polo or something, I would fold the sleeves backwards and then I would flip it over once. And then depending on what it is, I might do one more flip. So like for a polo, what I would do is I would do two flips. So basically when you put it into the drawer, well, I guess with a polo, I would hang it probably, but you would have basically the collar and then like the upper part, right? Like this part folded and then everything else would be folded behind it. Wow, you come here for Bill's talk and you get laundry <laughs> and folding techniques from yeah. Sal and Matt here and it's always came day in Buffalo. Thanks yeah. for coming aboard. The uh, numbers have been great. We want to thank everybody. It's the off season. We're still getting a great response. A lot of new listeners, a lot of new watchers, of course. iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app on YouTube at Sal Sports on the YouTube page. So make sure you check that out. Really, really thankful for all of you who've come aboard. And some of you are just finding us for the first time. We're going to keep this thing going, of course, into the regular season. A lot more to get to. It is the off season. Speaking of laundry, the Bills have a lot of new laundry coming in this year to do these new numbers, right? How about that segue? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's rookie time. Let's talk rookies because yep. I've been kind of thinking a lot about this rookie class that they've brought in and how much of an impact some of these guys can make. So what I wanted to kick around with you today, Matt, was the rookie class and where we see each guy falling. Because I do think, right, hasn't it it really kind of felt like the Bills just haven't used their rookie class a lot the last couple of years, especially last year. There's been a lot of talk about that. But I think, I've always said, that's more of a circumstance of where the team is, not some overarching philosophy of the organization. 
Yeah, it's probably because this team has been in a win-now mode for yeah. the last several seasons. So the rookies that they've drafted have not been utilized to the level that I think they should be utilized. Part of that is because the Bills are good. Part of that is, I think, because of the coaching staff. One of the things we saw with the Chiefs last year was their rookie class immediately came in and made an impact, especially in that Super Bowl game. It felt like every big play, besides Mahomes and Kelsey, was coming from a rookie. And you're sitting there wondering, why wasn't Kyrie Elam on the field more? Why wasn't James Cook utilized more? Why aren't these guys playing even though they used premium draft picks to get them? Because it's very different than the last couple of years. Josh Allen is, you know, his own thing. Greg Rousseau came in right away and was playing a big chunk of snaps. Dawson Knox, Gabe Davis, those guys came in. They made immediate impacts. Kyrie Elam, the verdict's still out. We don't know what that guy's going to do. We don't even know if he's going to start this year. James Cook. I think he's the favorite to be the starting running back this year, but I won't be entirely shocked if Damian Harris or even Latavius Murray takes up a bigger chunk of that workload than we think we're going to get. And I think that that might extend into their rookie class for this season. All that being said, though, I think Dalton Kincaid is going to get a lot more run and a lot more play than Elam did. Mm-hmm. Not that Rousseau did because it's different, but I think Dalton Kincaid's going to be on the field a lot for this team. I agree with you. I think that he is going to get a lot of targets. He's going to be utilized a lot. I've said several times here and on Aaron WGR, there's no way to me the Bills make the kind of investment they did in a tight end in the first round and then not utilize him to their fullest extent. I don't think this is a pick that, oh, yeah, we really like the guy and he's going to help us a couple of years from now. I think this is a pick that they really – had a specific need and a want more than anything for and say, we want to do this, this personnel usage. We want to go to this. They're going to do that. So let's start with Dalton Kincaid. Here's what I want to ask you for each of these draft picks that Bill's had this year. We're going to separate that into four different categories. All right. Starter backup inactive on game day, meaning they make the roster, but they're probably not getting a Jersey unless someone else gets injured. Yep. Doesn't make the 53. And that yep. could mean anything, right? Which is they get waived and re-signed to the practice squad. They get traded, whatever. You know I mean? Just doesn't make the 53, probably practice squad bound. We'll see. Um, for backup, I mean, obviously active on game day, just not a normal starter, probably gets some play at some point, you know, around. And this is just in general. Obviously, there's a lot of nuance here. Anything can mm-hmm. happen with guys getting injured. And then all of a sudden that changes. But for the general feeling of what these players are, let's start with their first round pick. Dalton Kincaid, who they traded up a couple of spots to grab. Starter, backup, inactive on game day, or doesn't make the 53? Starter. Now, it's a tight end. So they're going to, it's like starter, sort of, because he's going to be on the field a lot. I don't know if he's going to outsnap Dawson Knox. So I guess it depends on how you look at it. But for the sake of the argument, I will say starter. I want to give a shout out to Joe Marino. You know, you've done stuff with Joe in the past. Lockdown Bills does a great job. So he actually tweeted this on Sunday, and I thought it was relevant for the conversation that we were going to have today. He broke down. Did you see this tweet about all of the vacated targets the Bills have for this upcoming season? I did come across it. I didn't dissect it, but I did see it. So basically there's 192 available targets for the bills going into the season. And he breaks based based on last year's number of passes based on the players that have left. And then he included 35 targets for the game that did not happen against the Bengals, which is totally justified. So 192 targets, those have to go somewhere. I think the biggest chunk of those 
will be going to Dalton Kincaid. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be close between Kincaid and probably Deontay Hardy. I would think those are the two guys who pick up the most of those, let's say, 200 targets that the Bills are going to have this year that are available. I don't know what that number is, but I think it certainly puts him in the starter category because I don't think it's unrealistic for Dalton Kincaid to get 70 targets. I think that's fair. 100%. Um, he'll he'll be that involved in more, I believe. I agree with you. 70 is a lot for a rookie tight end. That's a lot. Yeah, the, the record for receptions for a Bills rookie tight end. You know what it is? 40. To go look now because I tweeted this out not long ago. I believe it's only 36. Was it Dawson? No, Dawson actually had like 28 his rookie year. He was second on the list, but he has the most in like 20 years. That makes it, sense. It's amazing, right? Like very rookies. Dalton Kincaid should break the Bills rookie tight end reception record, right? I mean, yeah, it's I'm gonna look it up now. Just uh, you can talk, but I think it's yeah. 36. I tweeted about this. I also think, too, when you look at Dalton Kincaid, we spent so much time earlier in the offseason talking about what the Bills ultimately needed to do to make themselves more competitive. And Odell Beckham's name was thrown around. DeAndre Hopkins' name was thrown thrown around. Drafting a wide receiver in the first round was thrown around. And then the Bills, I don't want to say surprised all of us, but they did something that was a little unconventional, and they used their first-round pick on a tight end. You're not going to do that in the position that you're currently in as a long-term projection. You were doing that to be a weapon for your offense, and I know a lot has been made of the whole weapon for the offense thing. People roll their eyes at it, but I really do think Dalton Kincaid is a pick, not just for the future, but also a pick to make them more dynamic right now. You already have Dawson Knox. You have Dawson Knox on a contract extension. You're making this pick because you think it gives your offense a new layer that you have not had, and you think it does that immediately. There's no way. I know Bean says all the time, we don't draft for need. We draft best player available. I believe that, but there is no way, given the Bills' current roster and the window that they are in, that they are not drafting a player that they believe can make an immediate impact. And I think that also ties back to the Kyrie Elam stuff last year it's concerning that he wasn't able to get more on the, like more involved. I think he will this year, but that remains a big question. Sorry. That's a sidebar though. Go ahead. No, 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 you're, you're right. It's a, it's a really good question. I was right on the numbers. 36 is the rookie tight end receiving record for the bills for receptions. And that was set in 1983 by Tony Hunter, who they drafted the same year as they drafted Jim Kelly. They took Hunter first and Kelly later in the first round. And then the second most ever is 35 way back in the AFL days, 1962 by Ernie Warlick. And then you have Dawson Knox at 28 and Dawson had 50 targets that rookie season. I remember the scene from that 30 for 30 with all the quarterbacks getting drafted in the 83 draft and Jim Kelly saying that he didn't want to go to Buffalo. And when they drafted the tight end at 12, he was relieved because he kind of was like, okay, I'm not going to Buffalo. And then I guess his agent told him like, Hey, they're up again in two picks. And then they ultimately took Jim Kelly. Why was it? Was it, was it because the bills were okay with either Kelly or Marino? I think that's right. I think the way the board was falling, they knew that they could basically get one of the quarterbacks they really liked, and they really wanted a tight end. They liked Tony Hunter. He was a very good tight end out of Notre Dame. Uh, he didn't have much of an NFL career. He was eventually traded for Vince Ferragamo, actually, who came over to play quarterback for the Bills when they ultimately didn't sign Jim Kelly, obviously, who went to the um, USFL. So Dalton Kincaid, 
has a chance here, I think, to break the Bills rookie tight end record. And whether he actually steps foot on the field for the first snap to be a starter, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. to me, he's a starter. And I agree with you. Let's go to their second round pick. Osiris Torrance. I'm going to start with this one. I'll say backup. I think he's clearly on the roster. I don't think he starts. I know there's a thought out there he could start over Ryan Bates or even Connor McGovern. I don't see that happening. I don't see it. I see Osiris Torrance as a backup swing guard or maybe just sliding in at one of the spots. I agree with you that I think he will be a backup, but I think he'll end up starting games. And that's not to say that Connor McGovern won't be as good as he is supposed to be or that Ryan Bates is going to slip. It's just injuries happen every single year, especially with the interior offensive line. And that doesn't just cover the guards. It also covers Morse. Cause my guess would be if Morse got injured, they would move Bates over to center right. and then they would put in Osiris Torrance. Now having Ike Bucker back gives them a little bit more flexibility. I do agree with you that I think for the majority of the games, he will probably be a backup, but I think long-term there is potential for him to, be a starter sooner rather than later. I I almost am assuming that he is going to be an every down starter next season because, because I think at this point Mm -hmm. you don't know what Mitch Morris is going to do. And I Mm -hmm. think you would probably feel comfortable enough because of the Ryan Bates contract to move him over to center and then move Osiris Torrance to the opposite guard from Connor McGovern. So that's what I think happens long-term short-term though. He'll start the season as a backup. Yeah, that feels right. And if Osiris Torrance did start at guard, well, it's one of two things. Either, oh, my God, he was amazing in camp. And by the way, he was a terrific lineman in the Mm -hmm. SEC, obviously, for Florida. Or the other thing is, boy, they kind of swung a miss on Connor McGovern or Ryan Bates hasn't lived up to the contract. Or obviously an injury could happen to one of them or Mitch Morse. But I don't like any of those options. So if he does start, I hope it's only because, obviously, he shows them that much. But I don't – I get the feeling that of all the spots on the board – that would be a position the Bills aren't eager to put a guy in the starting lineup as a rookie anyway. No, and I just think, too, it also speaks to the conversation that we're having about how improved the depth is, especially at the offensive line for the Bills. I mean, look at your right now, your projected starters are Dawkins, McGovern, Morris Bates, Spencer Brown, okay? Nobody would really argue that. Their next level of backups, you've got Brandon Shell, who I believe started 12 games last year, Osiris Torrance, who is a second-round pick, Greg Mance, David Edwards, David Questenberry, and then you go to the next level of guys like Tommy Doyle, Nick Broker, and Ike Butker, and we'll talk about Broker more in a little bit, but Mm -hmm. those are a lot of names and a lot of people who I think you would feel comfortable with, not starting every week, but starting in a pinch if you had to, and I think of all the guys I mentioned, I know they all play different positions, but you take the top five, Osiris Torrance is six. Like he is next man up. Yeah, I feel like they've really improved the depth of their offensive line. And, you know, that's a good thing, obviously. Osiris Torrance, to me, a guy that probably will play in the NFL for quite a while. His time probably isn't quite yet for the Buffalo Bills, a team that has a, a very good team, a good roster that's in a win-now mode. All right, the next three are going to be really interesting. I mean, we have four left to go, but I, I think we could go a different number of ways on the next three. So let's do starter, backup, inactive on game day, or doesn't make the 53 more rookies on it's always game day in Buffalo. 